Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah like see, they just... the other long, the other long term effect of COVID they don't talk about is it makes you really good at football. <laughs> Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news and overreactions to all things NFL. We've had a couple of firings and a lot of interesting results, so let's get straight into it. So hey guys, we've got Connor here and we've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hey, hey. So lads, how's all down in Cork? Uh, yeah, grand, yeah. So I was, um, as I was talking about last week, watching the NBA Finals um, and it did ultimately go to six games as I predicted. Um... <laughs> My cousin Jimmy had a couple of great games, but ultimately he was just exhausted by the end of it, and the Lakers ran out comfortable winners in the end. So it was, it was fun to watch, and the entire kind of NBA bubble thing was an interesting experiment. They avoided all the COVID problems that the other American leagues seemed to be suffering from. So it was a very interesting kind of thing to watch when it, when the when the billionaires come together, they can they can make something work very effectively. Mm. Yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of it myself. I'm not a huge NBA guy, and it did seem a bit one-sided. What about yourself, Fitz? Is all with you? Yeah, I'm currently off work for the week. Uh, I was hoping to get out of Cork for a while when I took this time off, but uh, with the current uh, COVID situation, that's going to be put on, on hold. So I'm just, you know, the weather's been fairly nice. I've been able to go and walk around like a... I don't know, like a sad person, basically, and read a couple <laughs> of books. Uh, but yeah, like considering considering it's October, I was, I'm pretty lucky to be able to get a house at all, to be honest, given the weather. So yeah, that's grand. And like, is that is that the fourth uh, fourth fourth championship for LeBron? It is the fourth. Yeah, yeah, it's the, yeah. probably the easiest one as well. Um, the, the one that all the other teams kind of fell away, and they were left as the the, the lone good team that was actually performing. But uh, I don't know if he's got gold status yet, but it's one more, one more, um, one more uh, kind of mark on his shield in that regard. And two more to catch Jordan, and one more to catch Kobe. And who knows? He still has a couple of years left in him, I'd say. Mm. And Davis as a teammate, they work very well together. So interesting to see. Interesting. Yeah, I've had a quiet enough one myself here. Gonna, you know, just working away. Been applying for uh, houses up in Dublin, hoping to move up. Because, uh, you know, when everyone else is fleeing the capital, is the perfect time to swoop in and get a house on the cheap, apparently. Uh, or that's the hope. So we'll see. Yeah. So I might <laughs> that's be. That's uh, what the Masters in Economics is for, you know? <laughs> uh, de- depending, in, uh, depending on uh, on travel restrictions, I may be up in Dublin next week. So that could be, uh, that could be good. Oh, exactly. um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so I suppose we'll, we'll hop in as we've had a fair bit of news. Uh, we'll start with the big news. Atlanta fired head coach Dan, Dan Quinn and GM Thomas Dimitrov after... 5 and 12 seasons respectively following their 0 and 5 start this year. Um, their defensive coordinator Raheem uh, how does it Morris? Morris. Yeah, just Morris. Morris. Just Morris. Uh, he's going to be the interim head coach and CEO Rich McKay is going to take over the GM responsibilities. We had a question about this last week and we didn't think it will be uh, it will be Quinn will be the next one to go. I'm surprised that uh, that he is uh, outlasted Gase to be honest. But this is a team that never, when we talked about it the last couple of weeks, never got past that Super Bowl 28-3 lead and subsequent loss. Uh, Quinn, he had a 46-44 and 44 record, so nothing spectacular. An old roster, Matt Ryan kind of coming to the tail end of his career, and now everyone who drafted him and kind of brought him in are now gone. 
Julio is there and still a fantastic player, but as I think we'll probably discuss later on, like, you know, will this be a team that someone's going to come in, take the current roster and do something with, or is this going to be a blow it up and start again kind of situation? Because we've seen this day and age, it tends to be the get a young rookie quarterback, use that cap space and kind of build from there. And you're not really doing that with the likes of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on your roster. Yeah, and, and like I think that like that that's that's what makes it interesting because like I think you know if you're taking over a team like say the Jets if they fire Adam Gase like you're doing a full rebuild with perhaps the question mark over the quarterback but this is a team that's mature to to, to use a euphemism like you have Matt Ryan at quarterback you have Todd Gurley at running back you have Julio Jones as a wide receiver one now you also have Calvin Ridley so it's not too bad there and then all across the rest of the offense of line tight end defense you have a lot of kind of middle of their career type players and a lot of the people who are supposed to be like the basis of their defense going back to that Super Bowl loss um, are basically gone so you have a roster that's kind of stuck in that kind of for lack of a better term eight and eight place and as a head coach you need to be someone who knows how to get the best out of your pre-existing resources if you're the kind of coach who wants to blow everything up and kind of start from scratch that could be a lot more challenging here because obviously you know Arthur Blank probably uh, the owner probably feels some level of responsibility to Matt Ryan and Julio. And if you get rid of those players, the pressure will be on you straight away. So, like, I think this is one for a, for a more experienced coach, perhaps, who can come in, make the best of this roster and see if they can get them back to being, you know, a reasonable type of, like, a reasonable type of place. And maybe the template of what they'd be hoping to achieve is what the Saints did, you know, four or five years ago, where they had those couple of really good drafts, rejuvenated a roster that kind of sunk around eight and eight for a couple of years and get back up to being an NFC championship contender which they have been the last couple of years but that's a really tough task and means that you won't have much rope to play with initially and of course you know you then have to make the choice of whether you want to go down that route or you want to do a full rebuild and yeah I think it's going to be tough for whoever to choose to come on and take over this roster to be honest. Yeah it seems to me that this is kind of similar to the Texans as we talked about last week there a team that doesn't really know where they're going now and one of the big issues with firing a head coach at this point of the season is that you've got 11 weeks or 11 games at least still to go and you know you can't bring in someone who's going to change everything around straight away. This is a team that needs, as as you said, Ronan, a, a rebuild. Uh, Ryan, I think, could be interesting as, as potential trade bait maybe um, given that he is kind of a productive QB and, and there are a lot of teams looking for someone like that. So there is, there is work to be done here, but it's the question of do they have to wait now until the off-season um, before they can get in the person to lead that project? Um, so it is in some way kind of an odd time to, to end, even though not that surprising given the own price there. The, the trade window is open for a few more weeks, so I think they're saying right now there's no sell-off, but look, if if someone's quarterback goes down, which is obviously something we'll be talking about later on, and they don't have a backup worth talking about, you know, would someone be willing to throw over a first-round pick for, or maybe it's even a second-round pick for Matt Ryan, and would the Falcons be tempted by that if they're willing to go into full rebuild? But I think, as you say, like, I think we all agree that they're probably too good right now to need to go full rebuild, but for the sake of getting a new people in place that's kind of what you might expect to have the option to do yeah it'll be interesting to see how they approach it uh particularly if this is a spot where if 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 raheem morris is going to be someone who's looking to take this job over permanently afterwards or whether they're going to use this as a kind of show what they can do with a plan to move on elsewhere because it could be a spot where they have no 
long-term control over what's going to happen with the team that they're going to be coaching, which can be quite messy, as I think we've seen previously. We've had some more COVID news around the league. The Week 5 Denver-New England game has moved to Week 6 after New England uh, gave COVID to Stefan Gilmore and had him hug Patrick <laughs> Mahomes in an attempt to undermine the Chiefs. Um, also, their defensive tackle, Brian Carroll, also tested positive. So they've had no positive since. Uh, the Kansas City of Buffalo was then moved from Thursday night football to Monday night football at 10 p.m., which, by the way, to any schedule makers out there, please more of those games. That is a fantastic time for a game. It means I can watch a bit of Monday night football and also be able to be fine for work the following day. There was a lot of other changes to the schedules to try and accommodate this. So as it stands, the NFL seems to be bet into the idea of sticking to the current scheduling um, window and finishing on time, not adding extra weeks but we'll see if this happens again, what they can do to try and maintain that. There's obviously been a few more players, two more Tennessee players and coaches test positive, but that match against Buffalo went ahead, and we'll discuss that later on. Um, but there is an investigation about how the team was supposedly practiced during its lockdown period when they weren't meant to meet. Uh, so there's a lot of bits and pieces going on. Uh, they've changed some of the protocols, so there's now penalties if coaches approach refs without masks there'll be game day testing there'll be mandatory five-day isolation for close contacts which i believe has happened to uh sausage for the chiefs so that's uh unfortunate so this is obviously a second week where we've seen the impact of covid and the rescheduling has reached as far as like week 11 games being moved to accommodate at this point so we can see that they are happy to make big changes but does this make us like do you think this is a positive that they were able to manage it this way or does it make you worry? Well, like, look, like the, the game they had to move last time out required one change. This change required them to make one, two, three, four, five, six week changes alongside moving KC at Buffalo to Monday Night Football. So obviously as the buys, which have kind of been used as the flexible like chess piece to get these moves working, as they start to run out, obviously your room for manoeuvre becomes significantly less. So like I think you might get away with one more of these if it happens to not interact with any of the previous cases, like with Tennessee or New England, but uh, you're really cutting it fine at this point. And look, the numbers are, aren't great. Like you had, you know, you do, you have multiple teams that have had cases, not just Tennessee. In the Tennessee case, like we'll, we'll see what happens to them. I think the NFL is probably going to go easy on them based on what we're hearing, but you know, there's a question about whether they did, but like Las Vegas had a, a positive case and resource we've also had a couple more false positives one with the jets uh, unfortunately the jets game did go ahead uh, <laughs> uh, but i i think the nfl recognizes that and that's why you're seeing this huge ramp up in their protocol like they've made three or four additions to their protocol since the tennessee kind of situation got out of control so yeah like there's a thing with the refs because i think the, the refs are complaining about that but you know now there's going to be testing every single day um for players staff and any what they call level two personnel as well basically anyone who interacts with the players uh, for anything greater like by like 15 30 minutes and yeah you now have this like much wider idea that if you're a close contact with someone who's positive you're now off for five days now that obviously makes it much more likely that players are, are going to be uh, excluded um even if they don't happen to have COVID 19 at the chance and you know and i don't need all this you know 
even though all these cases are going up and the, and the current trajectory of COVID in, in the Western world, uh, including the United States, isn't exactly improving, you know, you're now seeing more teams bring thousand, like a few thousand fans into their stadium. For example, New Orleans are trying to get, New Orleans are trying to do that with the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but the, 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 the authorities aren't allowing them because it's an enclosed space. And now they're considering moving to LSU's Tiger Stadium to play uh, in the open instead. So, you know, obviously everyone kind of really wants to get back to normal and get to get kind of make sure that everything happens within seven weeks but like based on what we're seeing so far it's getting harder and harder for that to happen so yeah like i think we've noticed in the sense of the covid section of our news section has been growing every week and you know it's it's, it's hard to know if if given the context uh you know that's going to actually reduce going forward yeah to me this is a, a portending of much more difficult times to come the the schedule acrobatics are Kind of very worrying. On one level, I suppose it makes sense that they're attempting to do what they can to maintain the buffer um, of the the numerous the four weeks or whatever is rumored that they have in the schedule um, as flexibility. But this this kind of acrobatics, they can't do this again, um, or at least that they're going to. It's going to be more difficult as this as the weeks go on and the bye weeks go on and the schedule gets more and more rigid. Um, this is very worrying for me and and it's it is there's a little bit of the closing the, the stable door if the horse is bolted with these changes to the rules realizing that the the lax way they approached the situation before and um, wasn't working um i would i guess i'm going to state this state state this now i'm kind of skeptical at this point about the end of the season actually being realized i have a feeling that if the covid situation continues on its trajectory these kind of schedule changes are going to get more and more difficult, and eventually the, the season is just going to be unviable. That, my prediction is the season will not finish um, as I currently see it. I think. Exciting. Uh, I think the uh, like the problem I see for that is only because obviously I I I'm obviously skeptical it will finish as well, but I think it will need an intervention from the players themselves to get the whole thing to come to a halt fully. Because I think at the moment coaches. I think culturally seem to be more hoo-ha about the whole thing to be honest and obviously the owners and, and the league as a whole is more willing to get with so it's the players who are obviously the ones who are most at risk by going onto the field if they feel things aren't strict enough uh, and they obviously secured a pretty good deal um, if things do happen to be suspended or cancelled um, this season so yeah I think if the players like if things do escalate it's going to be the players who are going to be the first to kind of have to call a stop to it because I don't know how much the corporate side is going to do it uh, if they don't intervene I mean, yeah. absolutely I, I can understand that the ownership in the NFL have a lot of financial interest in pushing the season to an end my, my point is I just don't think it's actually going to be physically possible to do it once the, the COVID cases even at this current level where say one team every two weeks ends up having to pull off that's just not sustainable for the remainder of the season and the situation could get worse so i just think on a on a practicality level it actually just won't be possible to finish the season yeah we'll see we'll see how it how it goes uh i'm pretty certain these multi multi billionaires would be the first ones to get their hands on vaccines and stuff the second they come out to protect <laughs> their investments uh, rather than players being loaded up with vaccines and cures and stuff yeah <laughs> Yeah, maybe they might mask some PEDs and we can get a really, really super pumped <laughs> back end of the season. Uh, speaking of players at risk, let's look at some of the injuries from last week. There's a couple of big ones. Dallas quarterback Dak Prescott had a truly brutal-looking uh, ankle injury. It's a compound fracture. He's gone for the season. 
obviously, as we spoke about in the offseason, he's playing on the franchise tag. So we can see the risk that comes with that. He doesn't have a long-term deal in place. Uh, but he was playing, at a, even though they hadn't won too many games, he was playing at a fantastic level. And I can, as long as there's no major complications, I can't see him not either being the Dallas quarterback, which I think is 99% of it, or getting a fully top-end, muddy starting quarterback gig elsewhere next year. Yeah, like like someone would take the risk. There's no way someone wouldn't pay Dak Prescott, uh, you know, three years, of, 110 million or something. You know, at least 35 million anyway, like uh, yeah. per year, given what's happened with Mahomes and Russell Wilson and similar. Um, like apparently the surgery went well. He has a four to six month recovery period. Um, so we're not looking at an Alex Smith type situation based on the information we have available. So that's really good to hear. Obviously, the Alex Smith situation is a rare enough one, and we'll talk about him coming back and the miracle that is. But thankfully, in this case, it seems to not be that level of severity. But yeah, like look, he was on pace for some kind of ridiculous like six thousand something yards. Six thousand yards, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, they they don't know how to defend down there in Dallas. But I think without him, it definitely caps their potential now they signed Andy Dalton for a very team-friendly deal in the offseason so I think in the NFC East they probably have they're probably still the favorite in the NFC East just because their offense has so many weapons right now especially with CeeDee Lamb coming in this year um, but that's not really saying much so look I think with Andy Dalton they can still grind out enough wins be a relevant team but I think without Dak they're certainly definitely going to be a step down and I think for the Cowboys they will probably hopefully see that and be willing to you know give him the security that they've been unwilling to do so moving forward but even if they don't he's going to get paid somewhere yeah no he's uh, he's too good a quarterback to not get that they've also lost defensive tackle Thurston Hill to an ACL injury he's gone for the season but as we mentioned beforehand their defense has been abysmal this year so that's not going to be a huge loss Arizona's defense got weaker as well Chandler Jones has torn his bicep and he's gone for the season their defense has been a bit underperforming of late and that team has started to look a little bit tail spinny so this is probably not going to help that no like he's you know he was uh the second best sacks last year most sacks the year before that like he's been since he moved to arizona and even to be honest when he was in new england he's been one of the best pass rushers in the league and that means that they're going to be severely restricted in terms of what they can do in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback and you know when you're in a fairly high powered division at the moment in the nfc west that can end up being very very costly for them so it'll be interesting to see how much of a hit there is in their defense but it will definitely be a take a step back in my opinion yeah tapa bay and cincinnati both lost defensive tackles feet of a for tapa bay and dj reader for cincinnati uh yeah, both are going to impact their defense. Cincinnati's defense has actually been playing surprisingly well the last week or two as well, and that's a big step back from them. And Tampa yeah. Bay, it's actually been a big help to them to have their defense playing at the level it has been. Vita Vey has been a good contributor to them, uh, so that's going to be a knock on them as well. Uh, yeah, there's not really much they can do. I don't think there's too much sitting out in the free agent market at defensive tackle at the moment. Um, Kansas City lost their guard. Kalechi Assembly, they're off-season signing to it. Oh, he tore both his knee tendons and he's gone for the season. Uh, he's going to be a big loss because he was helping a lot with the run game coming off the side. So that's, I think, the entire interior of the Kansas City Chiefs line is now backups or third stringers. And uh, wide receiver Sammy Watkins hit his hamstring, so he's gone for two to three weeks. And Chicago guard James Daniels has torn his pectoral and is gone for the season. Uh, and another just because it's kind of an important person rather than a season ender. Uh, running back Dalvin Cook has injured his groin and he's week to week and we'll discuss him, him uh, being missing from 
the end of the game that he was in last week as well. Any of those jump out to you guys? Well, I think DJ Raiders played really well for Cincinnati. He's been a great signing, and I think I think you know they're going to get a lot worse against the run. That's going to be very obvious, and their defense like it's been better than expected. But that could end up being the uh, the like the thing that breaks the dam in the end. And Vita Vea uh, has. has been pretty good for the Tampa Bay and similar will probably affect their run defense a lot as well. Uh, and Dalvin Cook, uh, they might rest him this week just because they have a bye after that and it's against Atlanta, so maybe they can get away with it. But mm. um, I think he's expected to be back, you know, the most he'll miss is one game probably. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed. Now, uh, big news coming out of New York yesterday. Uh, following, obviously, tumultuous couple of weeks, a lot of sniping at each other on social media and particularly this the night before this was announced a couple of very pointed tweets being liked by him Le'Veon Bell has been cut by the New York Jets uh, and he's now a free agent uh, now we knew that in the offseason they had been looking to trade him and there was in fact rumours that I think three weeks after signing him a year and a half ago they were looking at trading him because there was a division between him and Adam Gase and that Adam Gase doesn't like football uh, and that basically they couldn't find a trade partner for him because he's due about six million. So he's now a free agent and looking. So do we think Le'Veon Bell, who has let's be honest, played terribly for the last year and a half, but I don't know how to judge someone in that jet scheme at the moment. Uh, do we think he finds a home and what kind of price tag do you think he comes with? <laughs> Funnily, like he, he probably had one of his better games for the Jets, even if he was relatively underused. He had like 4.6 per carry. He looked to have a bit more of his step back with him because I think he was playing hurt a lot of the time he's been with the Jets. So ironically, he might be healthier now than he was at the, most of the other times he's been put up for trades um, in the past where someone might have actually taken him. So look, I think he is an intriguing enough talent that someone will take a look at him. But I think given his past behaviors and reputation, he may be someone that you want to ensure that he's going to a strong locker room. So I think maybe some of these teams that are weaker might like kick the tires on him, but I could easily see him maybe fall through the cracks and then end up with a contender that you don't want to see him go to like New England or Baltimore or something like that. So, um, Look, I think he, he's too talented not to get signed somewhere, but I think you, you I think teams who are in a more uh, sensitive place are unlikely to pick him up, so he could end up on a real real good team, to be honest, and end up being a major contributor. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember from his, his, his contract situation. So he's being paid that $6 million by the Jets for the rest of the year. So it's yeah. only if the team pays more than $6 because that $6 million offsets against whatever his contract with the next team is, correct? Pretty much, I believe that the contract numbers are like so that. So you yeah. could actually get him for a vet minimum, and yeah, he'd be like, being paid six million anyway. So if the Patriots need another running back, I don't know if they do, but they can certainly take him in there and and make more fun of the Jets than they already do. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't say to him on the Chiefs for vet minimum. Yeah, like like I think yeah, that wouldn't be a bad spot either. Yeah, uh, I think I think, I think our, our line isn't playing it the kind of way that he likes to. Well, our line missing the entirety of its interior is not going to be the kind of one you can slowly wait until the hole opens up or else you're just going to always be tackled in the backfield. But he could make for a nice one-two with uh, Cled Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with, the, with the, the general sentiment being expressed. There's a lot of talent there and surely someone will pick him up. But he's clearly he's clearly seen as a troublemaker or someone who's probably worth more more trouble than he's worth, so that could cost him getting into um, the good deals that he wants. I mean, the Pats, 
I mean, you, you joke about the Pats. The Pats do kind of have this reputation for taking on players who no one else um, either saw use for or, or saw as too much trouble and turning them around. And it would be the ultimate slap in the face um, of the Jets to do so. Um, but I could see him equally going to some random team um, just outside the playoffs and improving them slightly, but ultimately causing more trouble um, than he ends up being worth on the field. Yeah, but I think from his perspective, like from Lev's perspective, like going to a better team, putting up some decent numbers, like re rehabilitating your image, maybe might be a good way to kind of get paid next offseason by that type of team. So it'll be interesting to choose, like, you know, maybe someone going with a big wad of cash and he'll just take the wad of cash straight up. But, uh, you know, as you say, with the offset language, he probably has an incentive to just get onto a team there. He knows he can get the get the proper tape out there. Yeah, I think it's probably it's probably about not so much about this year as it is just setting up the uh, the contract next year. Uh, so that's certainly the way it's going to go. We had some interesting controversy down in Washington. It's normally much worse controversy than this. <laughs> uh, quarterback Dwayne Haskins uh, has been replaced with Kyle Allen, who was picked up from Carolina in the offseason. Obviously, he has a history with the head coach Ron Rivera being the backup when he was down there in Carolina. He knew him, decided to make the swap last week, I think it was. Uh, and... Yeah, so it started off fine with Allen playing okay, making a couple of mistakes. Then he had a helmet-to-helmet hit and was taken out. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, my my moonshot for Comeback Player of the Year seems to be working. Alex Smith, who has not played football in roughly two years, uh, came back and got into the game. Uh, He had not been in a full contact practice yet and proceeded to get absolutely mauled by Aaron Donald two plays in and continuously for the rest of the game. Uh, in the rain. In the rain. No hope. No hope. Like, no run welcome game. back, Alex. Welcome back. Uh, I believe, was is this, like, it was Washington's stat line in this, if I remember correctly, something like 52 plays, 108 yards, they have like 1.7 yards per pass attempt in the game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was it was pretty depressing overall. Like, yeah. uh, like we won't be talking about that game much, but yeah, it was basically seven. Like I think Allen actually ended up having more yards in the end, even though he was only on for the first quarter. That's how yeah, bad yeah. it got. It was not a. It was not. It was not a, not not a great setup. To be honest, your 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 opening game back is probably not the best one to have. Is against Aaron Donald coming the other direction. But it was incredible, as you probably all know at this point. Alex Smith had an absolutely gruesome leg injury two years ago. He nearly lost a leg, nearly lost his life. They had to reopen the leg more than one time to try and clean it out. Uh, it was just, like kind of amazing that he's back walking, let alone running, let alone playing full contact American football in the NFL again. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to see him out there. Although it was somewhat jarring because they kept cutting to his wife in the audience, who just looked like. She was dying inside. Like it was like watching um, uh, Apollo Creed's wife in Rocky Four, just as he's about to get murdered in the ring. It was just. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what was harder to watch: watching Smith get crushed, or watching his wife watch his husband get crushed. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was dicey yeah. to watch, but it was great to see Smith out there. Um, yeah, like it's a great. It's a great news story, and like obviously, like it, hopefully. You know, I, I don't know if you want to have him back in there, to be honest. Like, you know, this is just a nice to have, but uh, he's more of a coach off the field type of situation, I think, going forward. But, you know, if he gets, I mean, if his rehab goes well, then maybe he can get back in. But uh, He must have enough money to sit it out of this. Surely cannot be worth it to, to have to, you know, Appar- Apparently he is a big thing himself about wanting to do it and do it for his kids and show, like, 
you can come back from it and stuff. Like I don't, I can't imagine yeah, him yeah. playing beyond this year. Like I think it's just a show he can do it type thing. Yeah, I like to, to briefly mention Dwayne Haskins, who we've kind of forgotten here as the team has <laughs> kind of forgotten him already. Like uh, I think he's already been actively shopped, but no one is ringing. And uh, look, he's only in his second year, but the way things are going, we see with Josh Rosen, for example, you know you don't get much of a rope anymore in the NFL and it'll I think Ron Rivera is a good coach and maybe he can turn this around but this is a really big blow to his chance to you know being a legitimate starter in the NFL going forward also can I just because I've seen a couple of articles trying to make this a race issue like I don't think Dwayne Haskins is being benched because he's black I think Ron Rivera of all coaches has not had a problem with black quarterbacks or helping them develop like yeah. I think that's people just trying to try to shoehorn in controversy into a thing. Um, yeah, just just as an aside note, I don't I don't buy that. I think Ron Rivera has been very vocal on a lot of these issues and has constantly worked on these things beforehand. So I just don't see that happening with him unless he's just been a fantastic kind of liar for the last twenty five years. No, like we we saw the tape on Haskins last year, it wasn't good. He plays a little bit better this year, but you know, not looking like someone who is the face of the franchise. And maybe Kyle Allen isn't either. But I think when you're you know in a situation like the NFC East, uh, and they're saying that there's a chance they can get to a, a playoff game, then maybe Kyle Allen suits better the the relatively limited system that that Ron Rivera is trying to do and limits their mistakes. Yeah. You know, like. He could go you back know. to Haskins after he figures out that Kyle Allen doesn't have it, but I think whenever yeah. you know you could you could be like one and four and only be a game back in this division. I think you just try everything to try and see if you can win yeah. more than twenty percent of your games. Um, but yeah, great to see Alex Smith. Uh, hopeful for Kyle Allen, and it's not the end for Dwayne Haskins by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, final on current punishment. This is a weird one. Uh, Michael Thomas, who was due to return to the New Orleans lineup uh, last week was pulled from Monday Night Football after he got into a fight during practice with the quarterback Chelsea Gardner-Johnson. Um, this is obviously after he'd been injured for two or three weeks with, I think it was a lingering hamstring issue. Uh, so he got into a fight. They've decided to bench him for a week and then bring him back in week seven after their bye. I imagine this is kind of a combo of it also gives them more time to make sure he's healed. But it's a bit, it's not a great look because he's also been talking a lot of shit online about this afterwards. Uh, that there seems to be a bit of a rift happening there between him and the management in New Orleans. Yeah, and now the reports are coming out that he's been having fights with the coaches and stuff as well. Like, I'm not quite sure what the situation is here. Like, I, 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 like I hope it's not like an Antonio Brown type situation where he's going fully off the edge, just in terms of ego, probably in this case, rather than whatever is wrong with Antonio Brown. But uh, look, like I think Michael Thomas, he's a supremely talented player. He's got a big contract already. You know, wide receivers are known for being divas. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Look, if he comes back in week seven and has 100 yards and, and the whole New Orleans offense is back to where we expect it to be, all of this will be forgotten. But, you know, we know that if that doesn't happen, then these type of things can linger and get a lot worse. Um, I think given where New Orleans are in their cycle in terms of like being in win-now mode, they will probably put this aside. But, you know, the fact that they, they chose... Um, to not play him on 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 a uh, Monday night football, well, other Monday night football um, is uh, you know it's an interesting move. They got away with it in this case, uh, but I don't know if they'd be willing to do take that risk one more time. No, of course. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that develops because that might be someone who like you wouldn't you couldn't imagine that they'd be pushing for a trade there because 
like you said, it's probably the last season they have the the, the, the band together. But we'll, we'll we'll track it closely and see what happens. Yeah, like for him, you'd need like two first round picks or something. I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening at all, particularly if it's kind of behind the scenes issues that they can't get a handle on in advance of the trade. And with that, we'll move on to the games from last week. Okay, so up first, Tampa Bay at Chicago, 19-21. to 21. Uh, This was a bit of a surprise. Chicago grind out the win as Tom forgets what down it is. It seems that old age gets to us all <laughs> on his final drive. Foles didn't look great, 240 yards, a touchdown interception. But, you know, Mack got two sacks. Brady only got 250 yards and a touchdown. They had a lot of flags, a lot of scrappiness, like 11 flags yeah. for over 100 yards for Tampa Bay. Uh, the running back, uh, Ronald Jones, looked good. But, like... Yeah, it just wasn't... I suppose we always forget, look, Thursday Night Football is scrappy. You always should pick the home side. This was a good win for Chicago. It was a bit of a surprise. Does this make you think more of Chicago or less of Tampa Bay? Like, I think in terms of Chicago, like they were inconsistent as well. They had a fair few flags as well. But I think the difference is, is that when you have Nick Foles, a quarterback, you don't necessarily expect consistency. Um, I think the nice thing for them in this game is that they fed uh, Alan Robinson. I think obviously he's the best player in that offense by a, a long way at the moment. And I think that, if that connection gets up there, we know Foles is willing to just throw it downfield, do what he needs to do to get it done. And considering that the you know running game was basically non-existent, um, they needed a bit of help in the defense as well. Like, I think the fact that Mac had a couple of sacks is a good sign that maybe this defense, which has been pretty good this year, can kind of make Chicago somewhat relevant. But to be honest, from my perspective, they still don't feel anything more than a team that could sneak into a playoff spot. And for Tampa Bay, you know, I think you know Sean would know more about the, the t- touchdown Tom situation, but they don't really feel like much beyond that either, to be honest. So yeah, for me this was oddly like seeing very two well-matched teams, which I guess suggests the books are less good than we thought, and the the Bears are better. On the Bears, I thought their defense was the real strength. They looked like a top ten um, defense. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot of pressure on 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 Brady, especially through the middle. Which Brady, it's basically his kryptonite. He hates being um, rushed through the middle. Um, and offensively, they needed the passing game to work because of Tampa Bay's strength in the run, and, and it did. Um, Robinson, as you said, was good, and Graham had another solid game. In terms of Tampa Bay, um, Brady is—I mean—the decline is very real, right? The throwing accuracy was 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 good enough at the start, but started to really go down as the game went on, as if as if he was fatigue was setting in quite early. The final drive, when it was like a minute fifteen left, and they needed a field goal, this was like in the Patriots era of Brady, that was a hundred percent guaranteed to happen but he missed he missed through and, and misaimed a couple of important balls and then the the really bad thing was thinking that the final fourth down and um, was a third down throwing an, an overly risky pass to Gronk rather than a safer one just to get the five yards and then being annoyed at the refs for not giving him a fifth down <laughs> and suggest that, that that it might be over for Tom. We might be time to start to, to um, look for a place in the retirement home and for yeah. him because I think uh, his time is up. And I think that's that's the big difference for him. It's 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 so much more chaotic in Tampa Bay with the penalties and the miscommunication. That stuff didn't happen in New England, and I think you, we've already seen this year he is struggling without that kind of safety net of, of the whole organization just being so focused on winning. No, of course. Uh, Carolina, Atlanta, twenty three to sixteen. Look, Teddy Bridgewater was fine, three hundred yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but like Atlanta just doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Uh, Davis had a big game. 115 a touchdown. Robbie Anderson and DJ both went over 100. Like, Ryan 
200 odd yards and an interception. Gurley looked good actually. Gurley looked pretty solid in this game over 102 touchdowns. But like their their defense looks terrible. They just kept settling for field goals. They were never really competitive in this game. And this is a Carolina team that I don't think is that good. Uh, but Atlanta just can't get out of their own way. Hopefully the firings might motivate them a bit more. We'll see what they can do after that. But at the moment, two kind of... Look, Carolina are going to possibly be up there and competing for uh, for a wildcard spot, but they don't look like a team that's going to do much of a threat, although it's nice to see Robbie Anderson doing well outside of the Jets. Yet another one to add on to the Adam Gase doesn't know how to manage a player situation. Um, Cincinnati at Baltimore, 3-27. to This game was brutal running. Yeah, like the score is... In this case, very reflective of what happened. Like the Baltimore defense just, and Patrick Queen in particular, just absolutely bullied Burrow and Mixon, who were under 200 yards and under. Queen played with him in university. Yeah, in, college, in LSU. Yeah. So, and apparently they weren't the best of mates, according to the commentary <laughs> team. So, apparently this was a somewhat revenge game for being on a championship winning squad. But uh, look, Baltimore defense, they had two forced fumbles. They had an interception. They sacked Burrow seven times. This was just not even a fair fight. Like, the only positive for Cincinnati is that they bottled up Lamar more or less. Like, he only had three yards rushing and under 200 yards uh, passing. So, that's a nice to have. But on the other hand, I don't think Baltimore were throwing out all of the plays that they had because they had this game well in hand from the very beginning. So, look, Cincinnati and Burrow, they'll have better days. They've had better days. Uh, but, you know, against this good good Baltimore team you can see the difference in class very very obviously no of course uh, a much more exciting game probably a little bit closer uh, Vegas at Kansas City 40 to 32 uh, Las Vegas came in and pulled off a big upset with Carr showing that actually he does know how to play I knows how to pull the trigger and he's not the world's safest quarterback in the world <laughs> 350 yards three touchdowns and interception their young rookie wide receiver Ruggs looked great over 100 yards in a touchdown and they were able to just lean on Jacobs to kind of finish off the tail end of the game Mahomes looked good in parts uh, 360 yards three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown but like just he was under pressure the whole day the Raiders' defense were just remarkably good in this game. They had him under pressure the whole time. There was a great stat about something like, I think Mahomes traveled over 1,100 yards during this game, which shows how much on the run he was throughout just trying to get out of the way of them. Um, yeah, like credit where credit's due. The Chiefs' defense were terrible in this game. Their offense just went to sleep in the second half completely. Um, but Vegas stayed there. They knew what they were up to. They had a good game plan. They executed very, very well. And uh, yeah, congrats to them. It was a, it was a very good win and uh, probably a, a kick up the arse for a Chiefs team that I think particularly the defense has been looking a bit complacent the last two or three weeks. That's the kind of attitude you can have when you have the ring uh, already in place, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but like, look, look, Vegas. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if what we saw here today with Vegas is necessarily what we can expect every week. But I think the fact that they got a good showing out of Carr against a defense which has had moments uh, certainly over the last year or so and hasn't been the worst defense, but as you say, is probably under underachieved this year, is a really good sign because I think you know it's it's nearly five years since Carr had that MVP esque level uh, type of season. And, um, but I think you know having someone like Rogues who can stretch the field and he can you know safely just throw it over the top and Rogues will be, win his win his man on man matchup is a huge thing because like 
everyone else they have is pretty except for Waller is pretty anemic to be honest like Aglor's out there and like Zay Jones like and like look Josh Jacobs is I think is playing a bit hurt I think you can kind of tell on the screen like to be honest Devontae Booker had the more explosive plays but when they needed to grind out the game get those three four five yard gains get the touchdown in the red zone he was brought in and he did the job he's a tough motherfucker and he he, he there's no doubting that um and yeah I think just like the, the, the Raiders I'm not sure if this is what they'll see every week, but I think it, it's it's a really good sign they could do it in the situation where they had to do it. Because even though Mahomes is under pressure all the time, he's still capable of getting three touchdowns and over 350 yards, and you just never can count them out. Um, and, you know, it's just a situation where, yeah, I think given the offensive line issues and the defense kind of taking a step back, um, he's been asked to do a lot more. And it, I think you can tell he's a bit frustrated by right now, because even in this, this year so far, he's been rushing a lot. He's had to make a lot of this stuff happen himself. So mm-hmm. I think their hope is to get a bit more healthy and maybe he can uh, have the pressure taken being off a little bit like he had uh, when they were winning la- later last year. Yeah, I was, I was very impressed by the Raiders in this, I have to say. They defensively were, were very clever. Um, good, They had a very good pass rush throughout the entire game. In the first half, the problem was the secondary couldn't compete with the Mahomes, um, the eye of Mahomes and the movement of the, the various uh, receivers. The Raiders made some good second-half adjustments. The secondary was much better in the second half, and the, the Chiefs just didn't seem to have the response to that. In particular, there was easily be much of a running game at all coming out um, of the Chiefs. On the other end, other side of the ball, the Raiders offensively had huge plays in running pass. I loved watching Henry Ruggs. He's, he's got uh, pace to burn, and he's got a, a great career ahead of him. The KC secondary just didn't seem to be able to handle them um, at all. There's some worries here about the Chiefs, I think. they This is three games in a row now where they have not been at the level we'd expect them to be, and they've been beaten by a team that they would expect to, to beat. So there might be questions as to whether or not certain parts of this um, Kansas City team have been found out and they need to go away to drawing board and rethink what they're doing. Certainly, I don't think they can just rely on the talent of the homes to pull them through um, because, as, as was shown here, there are situations where even he can't do it all and by himself. No, of course. I would be looking before the trade deadline to see the Chiefs kind of trying to find something on the interior offensive line if they can from one of these teams on the way down. Seeking so your teams on the way down and also a team on the way up. Arizona at the Jets, 30-10. to 10. Look, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins just kind of like dunked all over the Jets in this one. Over 400 yards, two touchdowns. Hopkins over 130 and a touchdown. Like, yeah, Joe, like the Jets were sad enough. The Joe Flacco led Jets are just, just turn off your television if you get them on the screen. You'll learn nothing about the team that's playing them because anyone can beat them. I think uh, maybe the best high school teams could compete with this team at the moment. Arizona, the good, but anyone would look good. The Jets look terrible. Gase can't be fired quick enough. Just, just get it done. And now they've gotten rid of their fucking running back as well. So. Excellent. You've just gotten worse after losing a terrible game. More um, Frank Gore, more Joe Flacco. Hope for the future. <laughs> oh, dear God. Like, it's just so fucking stupid. Uh, Rams at Washington, 30-10. to 10. Ah, score buddies. Uh, Fitz, tell me about this. We yeah. talked a little bit about this stuff yeah, earlier. We, like, the, the only real thing about this is that Alex Smith played football. It was nice to see, but he then proceeded to be sacked many, many times. Eight sacks in total for the Rams defense. Four for Donald alone. And, like, 
less than 150 yards for the Washington offense in total. So <laughs> Jared Goff had a pretty nice day, uh, like 300 yards and two touchdowns, and the run game pretty much ran over Washington as well. So this was a game that was just it was raining the whole time. It looked pretty depressing to have to play as well. And yeah, I think for Washington, back to the drawing board completely, and for the Rams, they're second in the NFC West and they, they look frisky. But you know, four of those wins are against the NFC East, so we'll see how they do against better competition. Yeah, uh, Philly at Pittsburgh, twenty nine to thirty eight. Uh, this game wasn't was closer than the score would seem to say. Philly kept this a game until the very end. Uh, this is Chase Claypool coming out party, one hundred and sixteen yards, four touchdowns, and uh, Pittsburgh put them away. Their defense looked good, five sacks and two interceptions, and Ben looked kind of uh, they looked good. Like it was three touchdowns, two thirty yards, not kind of the the you know near MVP level stuff from a couple of years back, but still pretty good. Wentz looked a lot more improved than he had previously. Uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 250 yards, but some nice throws. Uh, rook- is it a rookie guy, this Fulgham fella? Um, yeah, I think he, he, he might be one of those guys who's been running around a long while, but effectively a rookie in terms yeah, of playing uh, time. 152 yards and a touchdown. Their defense wasn't great. Their run game was kind of all over the shop. There's like moments of brilliance in it and then just moments of nothing. Um, but like, look, it was a much improved performance from the Eagles. I'd be taking more positive out of this than anything else for them. Um, I think their entire wide receiving core in this game going into the game, like everyone who was catching passes for them, a wide receiver, had a combined career history of 47 caught passes in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> like they are playing with nobodies and Wentz started to actually get something done again. So that's yeah. a positive to take out of it. And honestly, I do think that Pittsburgh again have underperformed. Claypool look great in this, but like again they've beaten someone but they haven't looked that impressive in it. But their defense always does look solid. Yeah, like like fair play to Philly. Like they're in a lot of hurt with the injuries on the offensive line and the wide receivers and the, the defense has had a couple of hits as well. And you know, Greg Ward Jr. is your wide receiver one in this game. That's not a great sign. And like Zach Ertz has kind of been missing, so that's kind of the usual safe hands that they're not really getting right now. And like the run game on paper did okay. It had a pretty good game. Um, but that was really mostly a seventy five yard touchdown for uh Miles Sanders, who was otherwise pretty quiet. So mm-hmm. look the run game is inconsistent. The D um, is still pretty poor, like giving away 38 points. And some of the decisions in terms of who to cover Claypool was, I think a linebacker might've been let on them for one of these touchdowns. And that was after he'd scored two already. Like, yeah. yeah, like it just doesn't feel great for Philly, even though they still are fighting. And I think they're in the NFC, so they always have a chance. And look for Pittsburgh, like Chase Claypool, I think both me and you, Connor, have cycled into our fantasy benches and now we'll never see him again. But yeah. look, he looks like an absolute talent. I think there was huge word about him in the off season so you know they have Juju they have Deontay Johnson they have Washington they have Claypool if they want to be an explosive attack uh, they certainly can be and it's just about whether Big Ben as the season goes on kind of grows into being more comfortable going downfield because I think right now he still looks a little bit hesitant on that but I think you know if they can do it with their defense if they can do it with the run game they'll do that but I think they have that opportunity and have that aspect to be a really good attacking offense where they need to be going forward too. Yeah, no, of course. So, yeah, the one thing I would say about this game, and it's a, uh, I would put an asterisk beside the Steelers, and also this applies to the Ravens and the Browns as well. The the AFC North, I think, is being flattered by the fact that they're paired with the NFC East um, this season, so they're getting mm-hmm. a lot of wins, but not necessarily looking all that good while they're doing it. So I don't think we'll really know an awful lot about the the kind of the three big teams 
from that division um, until much later in the season because I think their their win totals are going to be padded significantly by running over some very poor teams in the NFC. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Jacksonville at Houston, ugh, fourteen to thirty. This is a bit of a get-right game for Houston, right, Sean? Yeah. So it was it was Houston having just enough talent on the board. Um, to get the job done, uh, Watson had a very good game, uh, th- over almost 400 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions, but uh, didn't really make much of a difference. Cooks uh, had a good game, um, about 160 yards and a touchdown. Johnson ran for over 100 yards. So the the weak Jacksonville D, which is a little bit damaged at the moment by the loss of kind of personnel, their defensive injuries such as Miles Jack, which are really hurting them. Um, so there was just too much of, of the talent on the Texans' end and the freedom of no longer playing under Bill O'Brien, and perhaps on the other end of the of the of the of the on the other side of the ball, Minshew was solid, 300 yards again, but there were red zone mistakes, um, a, a fumble on a wildcat, two missed field goals. So ultimately, it was the the, the Jags killed themselves and just didn't have enough to defeat uh, the, the talent of the Texans here. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had the Giants at Dallas, uh, 34 to 37. This is a game that really shouldn't have been this close, but as we mentioned, there was an injury to Dak Prescott that took him out. So we saw Michael Gallup collecting a couple of bombs off the Red Rifle himself. Uh, Danny Dimes looked okay, 222 yards, but you know. The Dallas defense is not really that good. The New York defense made some plays early on, but this was just like, this was just a messy, messy, messy game. And then the Dak injury came in and then it just became sloppy. Like there was defensive, there was fumbles, defensive scores, everything. Then there was the injury and then it just became a really grim, slow moving. Although like the, 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 the Gallup catches were nice at the end of it. But yeah, like this is a Dallas team that should have the talent to put away the Giants a lot quicker than this, and I think I, I think I messaged uh, into the group there during the day saying like the Giants scored two touchdowns in 65 seconds, having not scored a touchdown in like 140 minutes previously or something like that. It was, yeah, it was it was a sloppy game for all involved. Yeah, like it's better for the Giants against probably the worst defense in the league that the fact that they did something on offense, like that they weren't as completely shut out as they have been recently. And like Darius Slayton and Devontae Freeman looked okay. But, you know, given how bad this defense is, and obviously 70s points came from the defense, it's a situation where you're not exactly going out, oh, they're fixed now, or they'll be able to do better against better defenses. It, like the Giants offense is just very, very bad right now, and I just don't see where they're going to get some inspiration to do that. And like the defense, you know, seems to be improving uh, as time goes on with, with under Joe Judge. That's probably his more, like what he's more interested in doing right now. But, you know, if the offense isn't doing it, it doesn't really matter. And you kind of always felt that no matter how, deep a hole Dallas had even when they brought in Andy Dalton you can't and he fumbled his first <laughs> snap so that's not a great sign but like he, he then came back later on he threw you know a couple of bombs to Gallup and kind of got it done um, and so for Dallas like we're kind of just still expecting them to bully the other NFC East team sufficiently to win this division but overall they're just a sloppy team as Sean has made said many times and yeah like they're, they're so explode like they have so many weapons they can probably stay in games but they're losing a lot of these games through their own mistakes uh, more often than not. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I was probably one of the few people that was not surprised by this game in any way. I said last week that this would be 
a high-scoring game between two very bad teams in which the Cowboys would give up 35 points. Well, in the end, I was wrong. They only gave up 34 points, <laughs> um, but uh, still ultimately had done uh, enough. The Dak injury really hurts them, even though Dalton does have a tendency to play to the talent around him, and there is talent mm-hmm. around him to do that. They're in a division where they're they're going to get into the playoffs if they win six games, probably. Um, so they might just <laughs> scrape it in. There's nothing to the Giants here. This is a game that can be forgotten about. Except for the injury, this is a game that would have been forgotten about instantly. As it is, it, it may uh, be the bookend um, of uh, a, a very promising uh, Cowboys career for Dak. Hopefully not the end for him and the Cowboys. Um, but even if he doesn't stay, uh, he would be, be a great talent going forward. No, of course. Miami at San Francisco... God, this is one-sided and not in the way we thought it was going to be. 43-17. to <laughs> 17. Fitz? This magic reigns. He absolutely uh, this annihilated. Is, this is because I mentioned, oh, are we thinking that maybe we might see a bit of Tua soon? And he's like, no, fuck that. Yeah, apparently everyone loves Fitzmagic and there. The magic will continue forever. You know, give him that seven-year contract, whatever he needs. Like, to be honest, this was an easy enough game for him because basically, you know, Richard Sherman is out. These defensive backs in San Francisco are pretty bad. So pretty any time that the Robert Robert Salah, the, like the San Francisco defensive coordinator, got any pressure, one-on-one matchup with Parker, Williams, Kasicki, just bomb it up there, get a touchdown. Easy game for Fitzmagic. And on the other side, you have Jimmy G throwing two awful interceptions to close the half when they were already behind. And then they pulled Jimmy G to protect him, in the words of uh, of Shanahan. Um, so outside of Raheem Mostert, their offense looked pretty bad. And their defense is obviously pretty awful in this game. So look, San Francisco, we know they're dealing with a huge amount of injuries right now. Uh, they managed to beat up on the two New York teams. But I saw against a team... With any spirit at all, suddenly the whole thing folded in on itself. And as a San Francisco fan, this could get very ugly. And in a stacked NFC West, there mightn't be that much opportunity to come back later in the year when those injuries start to clear up. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, Indianapolis at Cleveland, 23-32. to This is an okay game. Cleveland battle for a win after both teams are sloppy in the second half. Baker is a very Baker Mayfield type line, like 245, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Their run game was stifled a bit. Um, I think they're feeling the loss of Chubb. Hunt was good, but they kind of need the the, the the pair of them there to do it. But Garrett had a good jo- did a good job kind of irritating Rivers. And let's be honest, looking at this game, like the thing that's holding back this Colts team is Philip Rivers. He's... Doesn't look particularly good. Two interceptions, no touchdowns in this game. Uh, he's making bad decisions. He's throwing ducks. He doesn't have the arm strength he had beforehand. Like, yeah, this is... I, I think the biggest issue with him is that he's he's trying to make these throws that he's not able to do anymore. Like if he if you know you know if you're looking at a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady, they know what they can do. They stay in the pocket. They have good technique. The, and that, that gives, gets them true, even though they've lost a bit of their arm talent as they get older. Philip Rivers is out here throwing idiot passes while he's like trying to move in the pocket. There was a couple of times he tried to get outside the pocket in this game and it looked pretty depressing to be honest. <laughs> but like both of his interceptions were absolutely ridiculous. Like one where he kind of threw it uh, basically nearly laterally to T.Y. Hilton and the defenders basically like, oh, this the ball basically moving in slow-mo, just pick that off, get a pick six. And the other one was he's, he was shifting up into the pocket due to pressure from the Cleveland D-line and he just kind of threw it while on the run and the ball just kind of fluttered onto until it managed to get into the hands of a Cleveland player. So, look, if Rivers is just willing to play like 
the very old quarterback he is. I think he's okay, handed off to the running back. Um, I don't know if that makes him much of an upgrade over what they have in their backup, but yeah, I think you know this is a situation where they're leaning on their defense, which was definitely worse without Darius Leonard in there. Um, and Cleveland, yeah, like McBaker, look, the picks were bad, and he there was a couple of decisions that don't, and he, he still doesn't look accurate to my eye, to be honest. But mm-hmm. you know, with the run game not being as dominant as it has been in those other wins that they've got, he stood up, he got the touchdowns, he was willing to take a few risks. Uh, they are still relying on a bit of trickery this time in OBJ. Uh, playing quarterback but look Cleveland they're four and one they ground out a win against a kind of very similar type of team in terms of their profile and look for Cleveland fans that's all they really need like this is a this is a team if they get 10 wins they'll be like you know lifting making building statues of Kevin Stavansky the head coach uh, and I think you know you can take the wins where you can and, and that's the main thing in this game yeah, the Browns are four and one for the first time since 1994 when a certain Bill Belichick and was their, their head coach. <laughs> it's, it's a great time to be a Browns fan, and long may it continue. I can see them going 15 and 1. Um, I believe. I believe excellent, excellent. Go on, believe land. Minnesota at Seattle, 26 to 27. Seattle get the comeback in this. Minnesota destroyed them the first half, 30 to nothing. Then it came back to 21 to 13. Seattle held the lead, and Minnesota managed to get up to 26 to 21. Uh, but as we mentioned, they're running by Cook went out with an injury. Uh, yeah, they got down to fourth and inches with two minutes left, and they managed to fail to convert. And Russell Wilson, obviously being Mr. Unlimited and whatever else he wants to call himself, <laughs> goes down the 94 yards to score the winning touchdown. Doesn't even need the t- doesn't even need the timeout that he's got saved to uh, to be able to do it. Uh, and I said th- I said this to you off air as well, Fitz, like. This was a great performance from Seattle to be able to come back and do this. It's a surprising performance from Minnesota to be able to, 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 to take Seattle that far in the game, particularly when they're playing away. But I can't help but think that if Cook was in the game, they convert that fourth in inches and they win this game, actually. Yeah, like maybe, but sure, look, like maybe, you know, you would have thought Cam would have made that like one yard touchdown to, to win the game for New England and they managed to stuff it there. It seems like this defense is very much living on the edge and has a lot of issues with it, but seems to in clutch moments for now be getting away with it. Like, to be honest, like this is a game that Seattle had no right to win, um, given where they were. Like the time possession was basically uh, two or three to one in favor of Minnesota. And I think the biggest problem that you might have seen is that even though Minnesota like went for a fourth in inches and that was like kind of a brave enough move I suppose it's it, it's the fact that when they're dominating they don't tend to you know dominate on the scoreboard like they absolutely hockeyed Seattle off the field for the first half and were only 13 nil up that's not good enough for the type of dominance they had and you kind of saw the fact that Mike Zimmer still exists in where I suppose Pete Carroll would would prefer to still be but doesn't do it anymore because Russell is cooking um where it's like we dominate the clock we dominate the yards we keep them off the field and you get a decent return for it but when you're up against Russell Wilson when you're up against Patrick Mahomes when you're up against Lamar Jackson oftentimes that won't end up working for you because these teams can just score in an instant and like look cousins was okay in this game and after they went uh, they went 20 uh, went when they went 21 13 down you kind of thought oh no here's cousins gonna go fully off the rails after giving two turnovers but to be fair to him he came back they handed off to alexander madison who looked good in relief of cook after he went off early in the second half and adam thielen you know was very very good for them um and they got up to that lead they were 26 21 up russell wilson 
through a pretty bad pick and yeah that set up the d -d -d coming out of two minute warning fourth and inches you've been dominating in the run game all day um, I think Cody Barton, the, 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 the Seattle, Seattle linebacker, blows up the tight end and pushes him back into Madison and he falls, you know, inches short again. And, you know, now it's two minutes, you have one timeout, you know, it's Russell Wilson. I think even though there was like two fourth down conversions required on this drive at the end, this 94 yard drive, mm. um, it's Russell Wilson. You kind of always believe that's the aura that they have around them and that, you know, I, I don't want to say that was the difference here, but whenever Seattle are behind, they believe in themselves and whenever Minnesota are behind, even when they come back in this game, when that decision t turned out to not go well, even though it was probably the right decision, it's a situation where, yeah, Russell Wilson is a winner and Minnesota are losers. <laughs> and so even though they shouldn't have won this game, I think everyone after the game is kind of go, yeah, that was always going to happen. Seattle, yeah, that makes sense, like, to be honest. So I think, you know, it's all about that culture to a certain extent. And, uh, yeah, Minnesota are one and four now. They're in a deep hole of the NFC uh, North. So we can see maybe, th I think they showed enough here that maybe they can sneak back into, like, wildcard type contention. But it's a long, long road from the point that they are right now. Yeah, yeah. On one level, I can't understand how the Vikings didn't win this game. But on another level, it's entirely predictable that they didn't. Win <laughs> um, it was yeah for a dramatic late comeback. It was the most predictable dramatic late comeback I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, there was there was an element to that. Uh, next up, Chargers at New Orleans, twenty-seven to thirty. New Orleans overcome a twenty to three deficit in the first half before an LA Chargers field goal leads to or missed field goal rather leads to overtime and the Chargers just aren't able to, to match them. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting game. Uh, it kind of... The one thing I thought was interesting is that I was watching two very different styles of quarterbacking. So Herbert was just going to town and firing the deep shots left, right, and center, whereas Breeze was obviously being Drew Breeze, unable to throw beyond 11 yards of distance, so was a lot more progressing slowly down the field. But, um, yeah, I... There's positives to take out of this. I genuinely think watching this game that the Chargers should have probably won it. Yes. I think they were the better team throughout. Um, <laughs> Once again, eminently predictable against the Chargers. Yeah, when the Chargers <laughs> in games they should win. Yeah. The, like I really like their head coach, but he coaches way too conservatively for my liking. Like they yeah. need to learn some killer instinct. Um, the other thing is definitely for Chargers fans, you've got yourselves uh, Herbert is your quarterback. Like You've got something real good there. I've said it, I think, every episode so far. Hold my hands up. I was completely wrong about him in the draft. He's actually looks fantastic. Uh, defenses were both okay in this game. Made some decent plays, but nothing too splashy. Um, New Orleans grinded out at home. But, yeah, like, this is not an uh, amazing looking New Orleans team. But I suppose we are, you know, they still held out the wide receiver one and so on. So, like, we, we would expect them to kind of look a little bit more exciting moving forward yeah I, I think maybe the one positive for for new orleans is that there was a bit of connection between breeze and sanders like emmanuel sanders he had mm. over 100 yards and like yeah like they got away with this like there was a missed uh point after touchdown from badgley earlier on this game which obviously ended up being significant he then doinks the uh the field goal at the end and this is very unfortunate because apparently there was like a story going around recently about him trademarking the turn the name money badger <laughs> oh gosh so, that obviously was 
was dredged up by Reddit uh, pretty quickly um, after this particular performance. So, like, look, the Chargers, they have Herbert, they have the weapons. I think Keenan Allen, it shouldn't be a serious injury. He went off with back spasms. So I think they will be exciting. They will win games, but there's just something about the Chargers that they lose games like this. And for the Saints, this was a must-win game given where they are, and they managed to grind it out. And they hope that with Michael Thomas back, they can get back to the offense being more efficient, more consistent, and maybe back to what we've seen in the last couple of years instead. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know what's wrong with this Saints team. Every week, uh, we expect them to blow somebody out, and they never do. Um, they're just not producing and allowing games like this against decent but not spectacular teams, and it's it ends up being closer than it should be. Um, I don't know about the Saints. I mean, I think they they could struggle. Um, they could be an early playoff um, knockout if they, unless they find a, the, the level, the next level, that we all seem to know that they're capable of, but they haven't seemed to reach yet. Uh, they're pretty used to that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the final game of the week, our super delay to Tuesday Night Football, Buffalo-Tennessee. This got one-sided real quick, 16-42. to 42. Uh, Sean, do you want to give us a quick overview yeah, of this? Uh, one, of the, one of the stranger blowouts I've ever seen. This Titans team, which hadn't practiced or um, had or any had kind they? of meetings, for, <laughs> well, allegedly, um, for, for at least a week, come in, look sharp, look uh, together. Um, Tannehill gives, has a very solid, reliable, efficient game, four touchdowns, 237 yards. Um, really, really impressive from the Titans. Their secondary played very reasonably well. Allen's options were limited on most downs. Um, and it was amazing that if you had to pick which team hadn't practiced for a week and which team had, had been um, um, had, then you would have picked it the other way around. You would have thought that the Titans would have been better. For the, for the Bills, and the offense looks quite vulnerable in places. It's odd how many times they seem to get stuck in third and long. Um, and they always seem to get out of it, but surely that's not a sustainable approach. Allen also sometimes makes some really dodgy decisions, pushing situations more than it should. Um, two interceptions here ended up being quite costly. Um, so we come out of this with the, bull, the Bills looking a little bit more vulnerable than we thought, despite the obvious talent of Allen and, and the team around him. And the Titans look like a proper team. Um, I don't know how that happened, but um, if they can keep this up, the Titans could be a very tough team um, to beat. They are now somehow 4-0 and um, looking like they could uh, continue that record for some time. Yeah, yeah. Game over that COVID makes you strong, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, yeah like they the, just... the other long, the other long-term effect of COVID they don't talk about is makes you really good at football. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so that's why Bill has been exposing them. To uh, you got some more of that COVID, would you? It helps us get those free buys, you know. Uh, but like Tennessee were ruthless in this game. I think you know. If you remove the, the turnovers, it probably would be a close enough game, but Tennessee just absolutely ripped them because of them. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll move on. We'll have a look at the games for next week. Okay, so first up, we have... Uh, well, actually, we've got no Thursday Night Football this week. Sorry, I nearly forgot that. Uh, first up, Houston at Tennessee. Uh, yeah, we've all gone for Tennessee. I'm guessing this is because of the performance we just saw out of them. Yeah, for, for me, this is this is the Titans look like a very good team, very together. Maybe the, the two weeks of chaos have brought them closer as a team. They're, they're efficient. They have more about them in terms of that cohesion than the Texans who are still trying to find themselves um, after, the, after the firing of Bill O'Brien. Um, so I would, th- I would think the Titans should be comfortable enough in taking this one. Yeah, like we'll see if Houston continue the bump from the swap of their 
their coach. But yeah, I think this Tennessee team is probably too much for them. Denver at New England. This should be quite a fun one, to be honest. Uh, so we've gone for New England across the board here. Although I'm kind of tempted, like Denver have their, they've got their starting quarterback back, right? Yeah, I think Drew Locke is expected to play in this. So I think Noah Fant was, uh, is questionable, but he would also be an important part of that. So yeah, yeah they're a bit healthier than they were recently. Yeah, I suppose like look, we've got New England at home. They've played well. They've got extra time to prepare because of the COVID stuff. Um, Denver have to travel a good distance across to them. Cam is back. Like, you, 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 if New England want to be a contender this year, this is the type of team that they have to just take care of business with, right? Yeah, and I suppose with with Belichick, you just kind of always err towards them. And look, like New England, like it hasn't always been perfect, but I think you've seen enough of them that they can compete against some of the better teams. And Denver. Look, I think all the injuries have made it very hard to evaluate them, but they'll have their full cohort of offensive talent here, so it'll be interesting to see how Drew Locke looks going forward this season now that he has a fully healthy or mostly healthy offense again. Uh, and the New England defense at times has been a tough test, so um, it's certainly a good chance for him to, to prove his uh, prove his bona fides as a franchise quarterback down there sure. in Denver. Detroit at Jacksonville. This is a game that you should not bother your whole watching. Uh, we've all gone for Detroit because Jacksonville uh, are terrible. <laughs> Uh, Detroit, Detroit are also terrible. terrible, but Jacksonville are more terrible. Uh, you'll get a couple of nice throws from Minshew to like DJ Chark, and that's about it. Uh, just avoid it. They're all going for Detroit in that one. Sean, next one up is your pick of the week: Cleveland at Pittsburgh, the battle of the AFC North. Except, it yeah, I mean, as as I've said before, the AFC North is an interesting division to watch because they're going to pile up a lot of wins by playing the, the NFC East. So this is the, these kind of interdivisional games are going to be very important for deciding the various seedings of, of the three playoff teams they're probably going to have from that division. Cleveland, obviously, are on a great run, and long may it continue. Um, and Pittsburgh seem to have an awful lot of talent going forward, maybe not a, a tremendous amount of talent uh, going on defensively, or at least they seem vulnerable to, to teams um, who should not be beating them. So I I have Pittsburgh to edge this, even though I, I do believe in 15-1 and one Browns. Um, perhaps it'll be 14 and two Browns uh, instead. Unfortunately, I do have to see this to, to edge this because they're they're at home and and they do have a little bit more kind of certainty about the quality that they bring. Whereas the Browns tend to be a little bit variable. Um, when Mayfield gets uh, pressured, things tend to to fall apart very quickly. Mm. Um, so. Um, I, I would edge the Steelers here, but I would not be surprised to see them yeah. go the other way. Yeah. They, they could do with the run game getting back on track, to be honest. Yeah, if, if, yeah. if, Chubb, if Chubb wasn't injured, I would think I might have actually swung to Cleveland in this one. But yeah, uh, Pittsburgh across the board. Cincinnati and Indianapolis. Uh, Fitz, none of us think this is going to be as bad as the Ravens game, but none of us are picking Cincinnati. Yeah, like Indianapolis are, are just a better team at the moment. Cincinnati might put it up a little bit to them, but I think this won't be a very fun game to watch. Definitely one for the purists, because I think Indianapolis tend to be killing games and not making, like, kind of trying to run the ball with Taylor, kind of using their defense. And against these lesser likes like Cincinnati who are just finding their way and are dealing with injuries, it shouldn't. I don't think they'll have enough here, especially with DJ Reader. I'd expect Taylor to have a big game for the Colts this week. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. I thought it was going to be a bit closer than that, but yeah, fair enough. I like. I was hemming and hawing about whether to take Cincinnati in this for the crack. I just I think, think they're so inconsistent right now, and that DJ Reader loss is huge for a team like Indianapolis that is. wants to lean on the run. It is, but also the idea that Indianapolis have this top tier defense is horseshit. Like that's bumped <laughs> because they played the Jets. Anyone who plays the Jets and gets two pick sixes against them is going to look like they're a fucking champion according to the stats. <laughs> like, like this. Yeah, like they're not. They're not that good a team. 
Uh, uh, but yeah, Cincinnati's defense is destroyed at the moment. Baltimore at Philly. Uh, Sean, we're all going Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think again, interesting AFC North, NFC East battle. The Eagles look like a team that could um, produce a, a good run of results, but they, they don't seem to be able to ever quite get it together. On the other side, Baltimore are obviously a very talented team, but haven't quite fired at all cylinders so far this year. I'm going to go for the Ravens because I, I love Lamar Jackson and I really need to start boosting my fantasy points if I don't have any hope <laughs> doing well in any of my fantasy leagues. So more from hope than expectation, I'm going to pick the Ravens to win this one. <laughs> Uh, I think they should win. They're, they're a better team. They are, yeah, yeah they are. What um, like the the clamps of that defense put on last week? I think, yeah, it'd be interesting. Chicago at Carolina. This one's a bit more intriguing. Uh, we've got a uh, myself and Sean are going for Chicago, and Fitz is going for Carolina. Uh, look, Chicago's defense looked real good last week, and you know they don't have Mitch Trubisky helming them anymore, which is a positive, even if it's wildly inconsistent now. Carolina are decent, but there's nothing that's outstanding on their team at all. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're Carolina are a grinder team. Like this is a game. Like I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to watch this one. This is two teams no. that haven't lit up uh, our, our like the, the 2020 season by any stretch. But they are both. They both have winning records. They're both getting results. And look, Chicago are a way more inconsistent team. They have Nick Foles. He's going to throw it around, try and get A-Rob involved a lot, uh, Alan Robinson involved. And, you know, Jimmy Graham has been getting some touchdowns somehow in the year 2020. Um, so, like, I think for them, it'll all be about, can they get those big plays? And, yeah, can they kind of grind out this Carolina offense? Because the Carolina offense is very... Milk toast. It's not the most exciting thing in the world to watch, um, but they get results. Um, Robbie Anderson is the receiver with the most yards in the NFC South um, by a fair amount at the moment. Uh, DJ Moore had a nice play in the game gone by, and yeah, Mike Davis looks like Christian McCaffrey almost esque in terms of how he's performing right now. So I'm going to go with the more consistent side with Carolina, say that they can grind out this game and get it done. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily bet the house on either of these teams uh, ever no. being uh, a winner week to week against anyone to be honest you'll find, you'll find the highlights okay, I, I, I think I need to call out what I feel is the blatant anti-Bears agenda that this podcast seems to have <laughs> for years the Bears are, are from what I've seen of them a, a much better team than that seems to be suggested they're very strong in the defense and they're off I picked them have, in this game I picked them in this yeah, game I'm, ju I'm just saying I'm just saying there seems to be a, a willingness to discard any good thing the Bears do in favor uh, of any bad thing they do. There's a lot of confirmation bias thing going on here. The Bears are, the Bears <laughs> they, are for me. They, I'm gonna they, put my I'm gonna put my hat on it. The Bears for me are a nine and seven or ten and six team. They are. They look good, and I I would expect them to to be fairly comfortable against the Panthers team, which I don't really see off a lot. Here. He's locking it up. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, your boy, your boys, the Bears. They ain't gonna do anything to Teddy Two Gloves. He's gonna get the job done. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like I was gonna say, like you know, the NFL have attended now their their YouTube highlight videos you can get after the games. They've kind of they've gone from like it used to be kind of like a nice solid tight six seven minutes all the way up to like now it's fourteen fifteen minutes. This is a game that's gonna have like a three minute highlight video. There's gonna be nothing that entertaining out of this game. But yeah, I think Chicago will take it. Atlanta, Minnesota. I'm so torn on this one. I've gone for Minnesota. I've, I keep swapping this one. This one I might swap before the actual game. And Sean's gone for Atlanta. 
I yeah. So if I if I if I may make the case, here, yeah. There's two things I think in going in Atlanta's favor. Firstly, Minnesota don't have uh, cooks or cook. Yeah. So I think they're they're gonna they've lost their most powerful offensive weapon. And that's gonna be bad. On the other side, Atlanta, there is the the, the possibility of the post firing bump a team getting yes. liberated and feeling like they've nothing to lose. The Vikings are not that good. Atlanta sh- should be better than they are. I can I can see the the Falcons scraping this game. Yeah, taking taking a tight win. Yeah. My problem is I've I've always had a strict rule in my head with the Vikings, which is they will beat any team that's under five hundred, and they will lose to any team that's five hundred or above. And I can't see Atlanta getting to eight wins this year. Yeah, like Minnesota, like 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 the, the, like it's important to note that the Minnesota running the running game. While Cook is a better running back than Alexander Madison, that running game runs through the scheme. That's the Shanahan type zone blocking scheme. Hello, it's your bingo card for Ronan mentioning ZBS. Yeah, but, uh, you fucking love that. Every fucking <laughs> but that is a scheme that we see in San Francisco. We see in Minnesota. It runs well as long as the running back isn't completely useless and I think given the Atlanta defense's woes I expect Minnesota to control this clock and unlike having Russell Wilson I don't expect that Matt Ryan can author a comeback if they go into a hole here um, so I'm, I'm fairly comfortable picking Minnesota in this game to be honest uh, Next up uh, Washington at the Giants welcome for Washington but you know what I don't even know Ugh. I'm going to go I'm going to swap that just for the back I'm going for the Giants <laughs> No, That'll the do. Giants can't. No, they can't play the game. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. They're just uh, like, it's just awful. It's just awful. Both these teams are awful. Don't watch them. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just don't watch them. I'm going for the Giants just because, like, look, they got something happening last week, and I know it was against Dallas, but to be honest, the the Washington defense isn't all that much better. The, the Not at the moment, no. Pretty awful with all the injuries. But they'll managed. they'll get fumbles in this game, in my opinion, just because oh, that's yeah. Danny Danny. Dimes is yeah, giving out yeah. the trumples. Yeah. Um, moving on to a better game, Green yeah, Bay at Tampa Green Bay. Bay Tampa my Bay. pick of the week. My pick of the week. Uh, we've all gone for Green Bay. That's probably fair. They are undefeated after their bye. Um, and I expect them to win. But I think it's, it's very interesting because Tampa Bay, obviously, they're coming off that big loss in Thursday Night Football. And now they're in a kind of a bit of a, a like a bear fight with New Orleans and the Carolina Panthers in that NFC South. Um, so it's very much a situation where, you know, they have... Tom Brady, this is a win-now team, and I think in this game, the most important thing is whether that defense can slow down Aaron Rodgers. Like, Rodgers hasn't been playing the best, best defenses in the league. Um, the Saints were banged up when he played them. He's been playing, like, the Minnesota defense, which is awful um, uh, most of the time, uh, the Detroit defense. So I think it'll be really interesting to see, does Aaron Rodgers have this MVP-level type of game against a defense which I have, which I rate a, a bit more, even without Vita Vea being out. Um, so I think they need to slow down Green Bay. Um, certainly bottled up Aaron, Aaron Jones as well and just kind of get the job done there if they have to have any chance in this game and you know on the other side um, look Tom Brady maybe you know he's on the decline I think we all kind of agree he's not looking his best right now but they just need to be more disciplined I think the fact that Tom Brady now exists in in the chaos of Tampa Bay where the cannons go off when you score a touchdown and you don't just politely go you know next you know, we're going to win to you know next touchdown please um it's kind of really affecting him i think you can see how bad that is for him and so i think it's really important here that they keep the mistakes down and the best way to do that would be to see if they can get rojo going again if ron jones can be over 100 yards here keep like 
like kick down the clock that maybe they can keep this close and then make it close enough that they have a chance to win this game in the end but look Green Bay are favourites for a reason but I wouldn't count out Tampa Bay completely and they are certainly in a situation where every win will matter a lot in terms of their hope to make this one-off situation actually work going forward yeah no of course uh, next up a much other end of the spectrum game the Jets travelling to Miami we've gone for Miami because well Miami have been good and the Jets are barely a football team uh, next up, the Rams at San Francisco. Uh, we've all gone for the Rams because San Francisco currently don't have a team to field, correct? Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably fair enough. If, if Aaron Donald is eating up Bethard or Garoppolo or whoever, then this shouldn't even be close, to be honest. Yeah, the, the, the Niners are really seem to be a lot worse team than even injuries taken into account that we thought they would be. The Rams have enough about them to be comfortable here without really breaking the sweat, I would say. Yeah. Uh, next up, the I think is this now Monday night football uh, at yeah. 10 p.m., which would be nice. Kansas City at Buffalo. This is my pick of the you week. Your uh, pick, Connor. Yeah, it's my pick. I changed my pick. I was going for Buffalo, but then I was like, I forgot. Like Andy Reid has the extra day to prepare for this one, and he tends to eat teams up at that point. They should be angry and they should be ready to go. The other thing is that the thing that was Buffalo's strength beforehand was their defense, and their defense is not that good this year. Uh, so we'll be seeing how I that was, goes. I was wondering if you were going to abandon your beloved Chiefs, but you seem to have come back to, to the fold. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I think I think there's just enough. The Chiefs have an awful lot of talent, and even if they don't execute 100% every week, I still think they're better than a, a picking, football team that makes a lot of mistakes. Like, I'm just going to say, Connor, picking against Kansas City would have been a very me move. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I need yeah. yeah I average no. out the sadness by. That was, yeah, that was the thing. I was like, no, why am I doing this? No, no. Jeez. Come on, Connor. Don't, don't be like that. You Chiefs can't be like 20. me. No, no, but I think I swapped it to the Chiefs. So life isn't, isn't all that. Like. Look, Kansas City with the extra days prep going against a softer defense than they had last week, they're going to be pissed off after the performance last week. And mm. there was a lot of. Kelsey uh, is. There's a lot. Yeah, well, Kelsey was awful in the last game. Uh, and he wasn't happy about it afterwards. No, he wasn't. Uh, I think because it was his birthday the week beforehand, I think he partied a little too hardy and he wasn't uh, wasn't running at 100%. But yeah, that and also I hope Spagnuolo's lit a fire underneath the team's arse. This is interesting because this is two undefeated teams going into last week who are now, one of these teams is going to be uh, is going to be 4-2 and two and have fallen quite a distance behind after this week, which would be, uh, which would be interesting. Um, I'm not sure, like... To go from undefeated to then be two games in the hole, it's going to be ex- difficult. And I just, I, the problem is, I, I, I see how exciting Josh Allen can be and how he's improved and that stuff, but I'm not sure they can go toe to toe with Kansas City, even at home with Kansas having to travel over to them. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to have like, to go for Casey in this. But I think this will genuinely be a very entertaining game because I don't think our, de- unless our defense makes a big turnaround, uh, I can see them being able to move the ball on us as well. Yeah, and like, do your Buffalo this season have kind of succumbed to, let's make every game crazy-itis, which, you know, Dallas, Seattle, numerous other teams have, have caught as well, and I think in a shootout, in a, you know, neck-to-neck game, even though with those injuries, like they're losing Sappy Watkins, the offensive line, you're always going to trust Mahomes in a shootout, that's just what he's so good at. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like, I think when they lost against the Vegas Raiders, it was a shootout for a bit, but once Vegas got ahead, they shut the game down. They turned it into a, a grinder game, which is their preferred game, and I think that's why they won that game. But Buffalo can't do that, in my opinion, if they get ahead. Yeah, and our final game for the week, Arizona-Dallas. Uh, I've gone for Arizona, Sean's gone for Arizona, Fitz has gone for Dallas, because he just loves the Red Rifle. 
Yeah, like let's go Andy Dalton, let's go. You have CD Lamb, you have Mari Cooper, you have Michael Gallup, you got Dalton Schultz, uh, you got Ezekiel Elliott to hand it off to. Like Andy Dalton, you know, like you know, one of our favorite podcasts, Connor, the around the NFL, the Dalton line, he rises and, and lowers depending on the talent around him. And I think the talent here is so ridiculous that I think Andy Dalton can put up a lot of yards. And I also think that, you know, even though Dak has been amazing this year, he has also been doing a few dunder things. And I think, yes, Dalton had a fumble in the game there but I think you know with a bit of prep and understanding he's coming into the game Dalton is someone who unless he gets under a lot of pressure and the Arizona are missing Chandler Jones shouldn't should be able to just keep the ball not do those turnovers and not get into those holes that they do now the defense is still shit so Arizona will put up points um, but if they can just stop giving them free points um, with the defense uh, with, like, like turning the ball over I could see them being competitive here but like look both these teams have been very up and down to say the least over the course of this season so I don't think you can trust either of them but I'm going to go for Dallas here just for the crack like to be like, I'm, 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 I'm going to look at it fairly simply right this is a Dallas team that allowed 34 35 points be put up on it by the Giants right Just that's 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 the quality of this defense at home and now you've got Arizona coming in you're going to have Kyler throwing to like New Hopkins like that is 20 thousand times better than anything that they had last week like how is how is this how how likely is <laughs> it do you think that, that the red rival can can put up 65 points because i think with this dallas defense that's what they're gonna have with to, that be able offense, to do with those weapons i could see it happening like he was willing to throw <laughs> okay. it up to michael gallup and the defense of arizona is bad and like look if you're the dallas defense here's a hint just send like three guys to cover deandre hopkins and then like <laughs> two guys to just cover like to the spies and kyler murray and just and like, they just throw to christian kirk the whole time like yeah it's, like, it's not like it, there's no uh, other options on that offense you can, you can deal with Kirk one-on-one, -on -one probably. It's fine. <laughs> well, you're not even one-on-one because you've just gotten rid of six of your defenders. <laughs> yeah, so you got like, one left over for Kirk. <laughs> like, you know, like, like I'm not that afraid of... Uh, what's the third one's uh, name? Kay. Andy Isabella. Whatever. Forget. Andy Isabella. Look, if you have the Drake. occasional 75 touch on Andy Isabella, that's fine. Like, you were going to give away a touchdown anyway in many cases. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I just... I, yeah, I, I, I'm, off the, I'm off the Dallas wagon at this point. Just, if I'm honest. I'm off the Dallas <laughs> one wagon. One last shot. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's our, that's our previews for the upcoming games. Any plans for the weekend yourselves, lads? I have the rest of the week off, so I'll probably just spend it the same way. But uh, yeah, looking, it's a it's a better slate slate of games this week than the ones last week. It is a week, much so better slate than last week. Should be a good Sunday night. Yeah. What about yourself, Sean? Any any crack planned? Uh, I think I might have to go get a haircut just in case the another level five lockdown. Uh, I have the I have the same thing happening as well. I'm going to ring now and see if I can book in a haircut for for Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm getting a bit worried now that we're going to be spending another another month or two months in complete lockdown. Well, I'm looking forward to this. This afternoon, they're making a decision. It might actually happen while we're recording this about uh, the, the the border counties up near the north. So that'll probably decide whether or not I'll see my parents in the next month or so. <laughs> yeah, similar situation here, to be honest. So yeah. my, uh, oh, originally from Cav and mother's still living up there. So yeah, yeah, I'm done. Might, so, yeah. might get home for Christmas is the best I'm thinking at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> But no, uh, so I suppose that'll do for now. Uh, if you want to drop us questions, fire them on email, Facebook, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.